0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. I just felt it it coincided this morning with the prophetic word that um, Pastor Willie gave to Elijah, and the Lord had moved on my heart to ask Elijah to speak. So we had two Elijahs within five minutes, prophetic words and prophetic revelation. And one of the Scriptures I was going to share is that of Malachi um, in chapter 3 about his promise in the last days. But I just, uh, you don't need to turn there, but I'll just summarize. In Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament, he closes that, and then there's silence for 400 years. But he closes that book, he closes out the Old Testament, which is... Um, we know that we t- we heard in Hebrews that the new covenant is a better, more excellent covenant, right? So it closes out the old and something new is about to take place. He says, "The coming day of judgment, the Lord this is Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. The coming day of judgment, the Lord of heaven's army says this. The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day the arrogant and the wicked," see, that ties into Psalm 1 that that Elijah read to us or spoke to us, "...the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw." Are you hearing this? They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, He will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out on the pasture. And on that day, I will act. You will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember and obey the law of Moses, my servants, all the decrees, the regulations I gave them on Mount Sinai for Israel. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day that the lord arrives his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children the hearts of the children to their fathers otherwise i would come and strike the land with a curse so we see this judgment day coming and the promise i love the that's pretty severe but just before that right after the tithing chapter of promise that he'd rebuke the devourer for those who tithes and give offerings those are under a curse if you don't in malachi 3 Then he finishes chapter 3 with the Lord's promise of all those who love to talk about him, and he writes the scroll of remembrance. Every time you come together like this, worshiping the Lord, having your private time with the Lord, he says, I like this. He tells the stenographer in heaven, get out your pen, start writing in their chapter of their book. They love to talk about me, and they remember me. And he says, and on the day that I act, you'll see the difference. So, there's this whole chapter of books. You know, he says the books will be open, book of Revelation, Daniel. He says the book of life, and then the books are open. You've got your own book in heaven. Isn't that awesome? The day that you did this for him, he says, that which you did for the least of me's, you've done for me? <laughs> He's got all these dates and times filled in. The day that you messed it up and you came and repented and the blood of Jesus took out his big eraser and said, not guilty, not guilty, all that. So, you got these big blank marks. What, what, but what about that day? He goes, I can't remember that anymore as far as the east is from the west. There's this book of remembrance and it's like, if you don't get excited, something's really, you need an adjustment in your blesser, right? And so... As I was meditating on this, and what what is this that you want to do in 2021? You know, we sat on the eve last year in December, the last Sunday, and the Lord gave me several verses and was confirmed by others that we needed a rock to stand on. 2020, we're going to need a rock of Jesus, right? The unmovable cornerstone. Boy, if that didn't turn out to be a word of God. (laughs) So, um, the Lord has given me something this year, but let me ask you, For 21 years that I've been pastoring here, we've had the same overriding vision. It's three small phrases. Anybody know what our vision is for Global River Church? Love God, love people, walk in the Spirit. Those are the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, right? Mind, soul, body, strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. But then in Galatians 5, Paul says, you can't do this walk, you can't do it if you're not baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. You can see that in chapter one of Acts. You see it again, Acts two, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell, the Lord had told him, stay, don't leave until the Father sends the promise. Then in Acts eight, Philip's in in, uh, Samaria, and it says he, they, they had not received the baptism, had not fallen on them yet. They were saved. So they send the big guns, Peter and John, there. to How could it be that the half-breed Samaritans had gotten this? No, that can't be. Let's go check this out. They go there. The first thing they do is they pray for them. The Holy Spirit falls on them. Same thing in, in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Paul goes, says there were 12 Greek believers there. The first question he asks them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, when I was in a, another denomination, <laughs> I'm in no denomination now, but when I was in that denomination, it's like, you got the Holy Ghost. Of course, you got everything you need. Uh, no. For about 25 years, I no. <laughs> and uh, I wondered why I struggled so much. The power of the Holy Spirit. So, he demonstrates that we need this. Not only can you need to love God and love people, but you got to walk in the Spirit. You got to crucify the flesh every day. So... I want to ask you a question, I've titled today's message, if you want to pull out your handout, and there's actually two sides to this, the second back page, if you just turn that over for a minute, that has, oh wow, that's wild, make sure which one did you get? Okay, um, okay, we had a little loss in the, anyway, I, we'll get another, but it's the same focus vision that we've had for years, and it's, the second part of it, the back page, is our vision to be the people who love God, love people, and walk in the Spirit. And then there's these five elements that you've probably seen if you've been here. One is we're a temple, we're a family, we're a school, a hospital, and an army. So I've titled today's message, if you look at your only page, you got, The Vision for GRC in 2021. It's, let me put it in a paragraph. I've listed A through D there, really four key scriptures. But if I were to put language to it, here's what I believe the Lord is calling us to do this year. That we would be a people in a lifestyle of pursuing Jesus. A lifestyle, a lifestyle of pursuing Jesus and his righteousness by living from God and for God by making every effort to be found living, pure, blameless and peaceful with clean hands and pure hearts. Amen. So if you look at A through D there, this lifestyle of pursuit you are probably familiar with Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? Somebody tell me, give me a definition of the king kingdom out of Romans. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? That's in Romans. Righteousness, peace, and, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, this is the kingdom, seeking first, living for God. We're going to look at First Peter and Second Peter, but that living for God... Peter writes this over and over through those two last books of his life, living for God, making every effort to be found in peaceful living with pure and blameless. And then a scripture we're probably very familiar with, Psalm 24. We've had that as a scripture before. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can climb the hill of God? Psalm 24. Those who have clean hands, that's your outward stuff, and pure heart, that's your inward stuff, All right? And so, if you put those scriptures together, it's really interesting that um, Amy, who was leading worship of insects, were they awesome? Thank you, Tom and Kathy and Amy and Kyle. And I was saying, I miss Megan. I know she's home with baby and, and uh, we just love the Vincex family. But uh, Amy came earlier about probably three or four months ago now and she said for her college course, she had to do a, an organizational assessment. That's what I call it. She said, would it be all right if I come and I spend some weeks floating around with the body, I want to I go to all the different ministries, I want to come in, I want to spontaneously show up, I want to listen outside of offices, I won't be eavesdropping, but I want to gather data, I want to know what is this organization of Global River, what do you guys really like, you've got all this verbiage and stuff, I want to I read your new members book, I want to I I look at all that stuff, but what do you really, what really happens behind the scenes? And I, I don't know, if you, when I was in business with GE for 25 years, organizational assessments weren't good. <laughs> they weren't, oh, great, let's have an organizational assessment. Because they usually come in and they look for how you got failures and you got to improve here and the big boss gets involved. So I went, well, God, this is my father's house. Wouldn't it be good for us to assess where we're at? Go ahead, Amy, do it. And it, was, it blessed us so much. It blessed us. She came out with, if you'll remember this, I preached on it one Sunday. Um, she came out with four, what I'll call her, core, I call core values of the Global River Church. She did that by listening. She came in and she listened to the lunchroom at House of Mercy, She'd come into our small groups. She went to our children's ministry. with a young. She sat outside. She went and looked at all the art that's hanging on the different walls and all the different offices. She listened in on some of the phone conferences. It's like, yikes. And so, and she said, you know what I found? There are really, this is in number one on that front page there. The GRC assessment found that you guys really honor the value of freedom. It's kind of what happens on a Sunday morning. We, we don't want to constrain the Holy Spirit. So, let the children, even in some of their chaotic stuff that they do, right? They're throwing over the flowers, and they're running over here, and they're doing, you know, and they're whacking each other with the flags, and, and uh, but what is that? God says, if you don't become like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom. So, I like to study them. I, I like to, wow, that's, they're so free, you know? <laughs> and so, freedom that freedom to be able to express if a word is given, yeah, there's, there's boundaries to that, but there needs to be freedom in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, he better, we better invite Him to come, right? And He has to be free to do and change the agenda. The other part, she said, was a major part, was family. There are those, remember it says there are those that are closer than a brother. Proverbs says that. I don't know about you, but Spirit to Spirit, you're supposed to know each other by the Spirit. There are people that are closer in the spirit realm than they are by blood. And that's regular, by the way. There's something about because you connect not only on a an emotional level, a spiritual level, and a work level, but there's a spirit-to-spirit connection. And so family, we can talk about family, but family's gotta be real. That means you'll be inconvenienced. When it's not convenient for you, you'll put down your stuff and you'll go and help. There's that place where family matters. And so family is a value. Service, that was another biggie. Um, she sat in on the lunchroom and she listened in the House of Mercy ministry, the outreaches that were going, the feeding of the homeless. And, and so it's was like, you guys love to serve. There's something, and you can listen to all the chatter around that. And she, black, white, Spanish, young, old, disabled. They were all in the mix of the family serving together. And she says a wonderful thing. And, and then missions, missions of the heart, How can you not go into all the world and make disciples of all men? Whether it's local, downtown, feeding the homeless camps downtown, putting on the live radio lifeline pregnancy, saving babies from death, going to the Himalayas, going to Colombia, the Amazon, Mozambique, Israel, missions. You got got to, there's people out there that are part of our family that one day we will see them face to face. So there's something about this, Lifestyle in the pursuit of Jesus that does something to us. It changes us. And in all the stuff, I want you to see, if you don't pick up anything today, the end of the earth is coming soon. I'm going to give you a scripture that Peter wrote 2,000 years ago. The end of the world is coming soon. Now, Peter, that's like 2,000 years ago. But how many days is 1,000 years with the Lord? We'll read that one too. One day, it's in in 2 Peter chapter 3. One day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So, in Peter's day, when he wrote that, that's only two days ago in God's calendar. Two days ago, Peter said this the world's going to end soon. So, what kind of people? Then he warns us, he says, Well, what kind of people ought you be living when that's going to happen? So, this pursuit of the lifestyle of Jesus is not some nice sermon. I'm warning you right now, it's time to get very serious with your lifestyle of pursuit of Jesus in righteousness and in holiness. You have heard it. Turn away from all the stuff that is interfering, drawing us into these other things, and seek the lifestyle and the righteousness of Jesus. This year, it's the safest place for you to be in the ark of Jesus, fully prepared, under the covering of the Most High, in the sheltered place, yeah. turning away from everything the sin that so easily beseeches it befalls us, he says in Hebrews. This lifestyle, because the promise of that, I read it to you there, number four, is this righteousness in Malachi, the righteous one of God in the day that he acts, But also says, Paul tells us in Corinthians there, number three, that righteousness is a weapon. Righteousness is a weapon. If you read that scripture, it's not only, it's for both offense and defense. So I want to ask you to turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20. I'm going to look at John 20 and 21 for a moment. I realize that's more of a, Resurrection Sunday Scripture, but I want us to look there, and I want us to look at the context, Then we're going to look at 2 Peter. So, let me ask you a question first. One of the ways you can determine what you're in pursuit of, let's take the last three days. Now obviously, you've you got to do this for yourself. The last three days, the last three nights, what have you been pursuing? What have you been in pursuit of? I, had to, I sat down yesterday, got up early, and I read Second Peter, and I became like, whew, I was crying. I told my wife, I said, I got to read in our, in our quiet time this morning together. I want to read you the three chapters of Second Peter. And I couldn't get through without tears. There was this overwhelming sense of, what Peter was going through as he sat in prison just before he was crucified upside down. His last will and testament. Death sentence had already been placed on him from King Nero. History tells us that Paul was, cru- was beheaded the same day. If you look at the historians, it says that they were in a prison cell in Rome. I don't know how close Paul and Peter were. I don't know that they were together. But Paul was a Roman citizen, and Roman citizens were never crucified. I say never, usually not crucified. So Paul was beheaded on the same day that Peter was crucified upside down. And so it's interesting when, when Paul says, I know that my life is being poured out like a drink offering. When you're beheaded, your life is poured out quickly. Talk about Scripture being so accurate. Also, the accurate prophecy that Jesus gave here. Look at John 21 and look at verse 18. John twenty-one eighteen. Now, this is after the resurrection. Jesus has already appeared twice to the disciples. This is the third of the appearance. Peter decided to go fishing. Thomas had just been revealed to. Remember, he wasn't there in the first revealing. And Peter takes some of the boys, and they go fishing. They fish all night, and they don't catch anything. It's just like the original Scripture that called them into ministry. They fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus said, well, throw your net off on this side. Well, we fished all night. Remember what they, he did. They fished all night. Peter is so overcome in that first call, he says, my Lord and my God, And he says, now come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now the resurrection has happened, three and a half years of ministry. Peter, who said, I'll never deny you, I'll die first, he does deny him. You know the story. Three times, he then comes to Peter. They fished all night. He yells from the shore in the resurrected body, and he says, throw your nets off on this side. Well, they'd fished all night, caught nothing. They do the nets are so loaded, it says, with 153 large fish. John turns to Peter from the, out on the shore, and he says, it's the Lord. Peter puts on his tunic, dives in the water, swims to shore. When he gets there, instantly, there's fish on the grill. There's bread to be there. The rest of the boys are coming in. When they pull the boat in, Peter's got to help. He's this big, strong. He's got to pull in the net, and yet it says it never ripped. And there's the exchange. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. It's no longer the brash Peter, yeah, they'll deny you, but I won't. No, it was the humble Peter with, Lord, you know I love you. Good. Feed my sh- feed my lambs. Feed my babies, Peter. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know. Then, Feed my sheep. Feed my older ones. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know everything. Take care of my sheep. And then he turns, and in verse 18, John 21, he says, Jesus, quote, I tell you the truth, Peter, Peter. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, this is fulfilled at age 65 in a prison cell. Peter sitting there 30 years after the resurrection. When you're old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they will take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. For 30 years, Peter follows him. Mission trips, church plants, riots, accusations. He does it all. And then he's arrested by Nero. They're killing In the Colosseums, they're feeding them to the lions. Nero is strapping them to poles, dipping them in tar and lighting up the gardens with Christians. And yet he's faithful. And Peter and Paul are in prison. The two, many have already been martyred. This is 30 years later. Peter is somewhere A.D. 65. He writes... Second Peter, it's his last will and testament. He says, the Lord has already told me my life is over. He's sitting in a prison cell and I want you to get the picture. Can you go with me for a moment in your mind's eye? Just picture this for a moment. The Apostle Peter is now 65, sitting in a prison cell in Rome. The death sentence by Emperor Nero has already been issued. The Apostle Paul is in probably a nearby prison cell. Peter has time to reflect and think about his life. If you're sitting on the edge and it's, you know it's nearly over, when I've ministered to those on their deathbed, those that are there, they've got the sentence. When my father's diagnosis came in, they said, you've got six months to live because you've got um, staph infection in your bones. There were times in the interchange with my dad, I wasn't just his son, I was his pastor, and we were exchanging, reevaluating. Re- a week and a half before he died in hospice, he called my, he had my brother Mark call me and says, "I want to meet with my pastor. I want to make sure that I'm ready." And he says, "That thing that you do, that prayer ministry thing, let's do that." And he forgave. His father, who abandoned him, ran off with another woman when he was 11. When his mother had to raise him, my grandmother raised him and his sister, never remarried. He went to war at 17. They graduated his class early in 1944. Many of the people in his school had already been killed in the war. Then he got activated, went to Korea, and he asked for forgiveness for the men that were killed in Korea and the men under his command that had died. And it was a powerful moment of reflection. He pulled out a letter just before he went into hospice from his strong box, a letter I wrote in 1982 in my handwriting, a page and a half. My dad had struggled with alcoholism, and there was times when I had real issues, and I won't go into that. That's been covered under my prayer ministry. But he pulled out this letter, and he said, do you remember when you wrote this to me, son? And it was written six years after I had gotten saved, got saved in 1975, six or seven years after I had gotten past this point of my father's drunkenness and his brokenness and the anger and the bitterness and the hatred that I'd established in some of that betrayal of the fatherlessness... And I had this vision of us who were going to be in heaven and my father who was not saved yet and was struggling with an addiction that no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit came on me and he said, write your father a letter from a son who loves him asking him to come into the kingdom. My father pulled that letter out. He said, do you remember when you wrote this? He said, I, I don't. because I'd like you to read it. We're both bawling our eyes out there in the moment in his bedroom. And he said, son, I sure hope I'm a better man than when you had to write this letter. Of course he was. Went to tryouts three times, became sober in the last days of his life. He came right here one Sunday. I laid hands on him. He fell out in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, God. In that reflection of life, when you're in that moment, I want you to see, here's Peter. He's sitting in a cell Remembering when the denial happened. Remember, he was, he was married. We know that Peter's mother-in-law was healed by Jesus, right? So we know that there's this, we don't know anything about his family, what he thought there. But he goes on and he shares, he says, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I was there with Peter and John. Now, John's still alive. James has already been killed by Herod. He's sitting there and he's remembering, he says, I was there when the cloud came and Elijah spoke and Moses spoke and the father overshadowed us and said, this is my son. Listen to him. I was there as an eyewitness. I saw that. How can I ever deny? Then I saw him when I denied him and he was killed and I went away in shame and remorse and guilt and I cried my eyes out. And I remember when he told me that I was to feed his sheep and care for his lambs. And I remember when he multiplied the fish. I saw him raise the dead. I saw Jairus' daughter, a 13-year-old. I saw him raise the dead little girl. I saw the blind eyes open. I saw the deaf hear. I saw the lame walk. How How can I ever deny him? I want my life to be worth what he did for me. I saw him the day that he baptized me in the Holy Ghost. He breathed on us, and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was never the same. I was there when it poured out in Acts chapter 2, when they all spoke in tongues and the fire of God fell. I was there when he gave me the power at Gate Beautiful, and the man who was crippled from birth stood up and walked. I remember all this. I fought the good fight. I saw him ascend into heaven. And now I want to write one more letter to all those who will ever come after me. Turn with me to 2 Peter. Shortly after he writes this letter, he's martyred and he knows it it's coming he tells us in the letter that the lord has told him it's over but i want us to look at this amazing statement he opens this second peter chapter 1 in verse 1 this letter is from simon peter a slave and an apostle of jesus christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This letter is from Peter, a slave of the Christ one. I want to write to all those who have precious like faith. Is that you? I pray it is. I pray it's me. Like precious faith. This letter is written to you. You need to get, meditate. I'd encourage you this week, meditate this like you just got a letter written to you, to you, dear Tom, from your friend of like precious faith, Peter. And it's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of warning. It's a letter of what's gonna come in the end. He packages in three chapters, the beginning and the end. And it's not a pretty end for those who don't know the Lord. And if that doesn't do anything to motivate us to get into the ark of Jesus, I don't know what will. He says in verse 2, he says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he goes on, he gives these values by his divine power. Verse 3, according to his divine power. New Living says, by his divine power. By his divine power, he's given you everything you need for living a godly life. If you're sitting here today, I can't do it, I can't do it, that's a lie. Any person with engaged will... Engaged with the Holy Spirit, there is no addiction, there's no deception, there's no lie, and there's no demon. I have faced some of the most powerful warlocks, blood sacrificed in nations, who were sent under blood sacrifice to kill us. And I've seen them shriek in the dirt like little snakes. By the name and the power of the one who walks among the stars. Not because I'm powerful, because I have dedicated power in his name. Delegated to us to walk in his name. That's why he said you shall walk among the snakes and scorpions in Luke chapter 10. You have no fear. If there's any fear in your life, you got to get over your fear. If you're fearing COVID, now be wise. If you fear anything, there's, there's legitimate fear. You don't play in traffic. You don't go in the a, in a, in a, in a surf when there's all these, you know, things are going crazy. No, be wise. But if you fear anything, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you power love and a soundness of mind. So that fear is, is motivated by the demonic realm. You've got to get over that. Now, be wise, and it'll motivate you to Pray. If you fear for a loved one who's wandering off, that's a a motivation that's positive. But don't go into cursing and, oh, they're going to lose. No, go into power, declaration. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I always add, hurry up, Lord, so I can get some too. So this is that place where you're motivated, but don't be afraid. Then he goes on and he says this. He tells us that we know him. That this divine power comes because we received it by coming to know him. That's the washing of the word. This word will wash you. In Ephesians 5, 17, Ron Bertram, if you're listening, Ron's home recovering. If you're home, Ron, that was a great word today out of Ephesians 5. The washing of the word cleanses like the bride. Jesus gave his life that the bride would be spotless, wrinkle-free. That speaks of her garments out of Revelation 19. The good deeds that are done by the bride of Christ because the garments she wears are the good deeds. That's the wrinkle, spotless bride. But then it goes on, pure and blameless. That's the inward bride. He says, he's gonna wash us by the word. That's why when you meditate on this word, you gotta get in this word. If you are not regularly, daily in the word for this year, get in, if there's anything on your list for what to do this year, get in the word. Let the washing of the word, because it will convict you, it will guide you, it will direct you. There's an empowerment by his divine power. He's given you everything you need. These precious promises, he goes on, in verse 4, precious promises. This ties in with Ephesians 3. It says, the richless, endless treasures of Christ. Come on. Look at verse 5. In view of all that, in view of what? Or according to or whereby, it says in the King James. Look at, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. What? Supplement your faith with being a moral person, moral excellence, with knowledge, self-control. That's that's a fruit. Patience, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and then love for all. Love God and love people. Walk in the Spirit. Verse 8, for the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will become. And look at verse 10. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. I'm so sad at times. I have known some really wonderful godly men and women who have fallen away. They have renounced their faith, or they've just made, it's of no effect. Pastors, I'm like, wow. So there is this danger, especially in the last days. It says... Many will be deceived, and the love of many will grow cold. Thank you for making those copies, everybody. Praise God. Then it says this, if you do these things, you'll never fall away. And here's a promise, verse 11, 2 Peter 1.11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our God and Savior. If you do all this, guess what? You get a grand entrance. just think about that for a minute blow the trumpet here's my son Cody everybody stand grand entrance the Lord said my son Cody's here (laughs) right grand entrance it's like whoa what think about it this grand who who do you serve this glorious God that just wants to pour it out he says if you'll do all these things then he goes on and Pay attention to Scripture. Look at verse 12. Therefore, I always remind you about these things. What did, what did Peter remind him about? 30 years of building the church. Even though he's traveled all around. Even though you already know them, He's remember, he's sitting in a prison cell. I want to remind you what I told you about before. I only got three chapters in this time to write to you. But it's critical, and you know that when it's your last last letter, it's probably very, very important. He's prayed about how to say, I've told you these things before, and it's only right that I should keep reminding you as long as I live. Verse 14, for our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I'm going to work hard to make sure you always remember the things after I am gone for we're not making up some clever story of the powerful coming of the Lord. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. I'm an eyewitness when he received the glory and honor from the Father, the voice of the majestic glory that God said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you I was there. You can't tell me that I didn't see the majestic glory of God the Father speaking with Elijah and Moses. I saw it. I want to remind you of this. I saw it. I saw it. I bear witness. I saw it. And that ought to encourage you in that experience, he says in verse 19. Because of that experience, We've even greater confidence. I'm sitting in a prison cell and the Lord's told me, but I've got great confidence. The Lord told me 30 years ago, they would take me and dress me in my prison garb and they'd walk me out and they'd stretch my hands out and I would die and I would glorify God. I don't know what he said, but I can tell you that Peter, when he got there and it says, the history says, I'm not going to be crucified straight. You need to turn me upside down because I'm not worthy of dying the way my Lord died. And they flipped him upside down and they crucified him, history tells us, upside down. And you can remember, he told those jailers and others, you can kill me, but I know where I'm going. You know he opened his mouth. And the glory of God. And I wonder what those jailers thought at that moment. And how many of them came to Christ? We know that Paul was in the Roman prison in Merrimon. You listen, you go look on history on that place. They put the dead bodies, they strapped them in the hole in that place. The rats and the stench, they left the dead bodies. Most of them went stark raving mad within two weeks. It says that Paul was strapped right side up and he sang the praises and he led his jailers to Christ. These men were not ashamed of the gospel. It was the power unto God, and they were not afraid, and they were not ashamed. This is that place where he says, "I was an exp- I experienced." You need to remember what the prophets said. Verse nineteen. Because of that experience, I've got greater confidence in the message we proclaim. The prophets proclaimed. Pay close attention. To what the prophets wrote, the words are like a lamp shining in the darkness until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or the human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's why these prophets that are speaking right now, don't you ever turn back. The prophets' words are true. He says, he tells us in Amos 3.7. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't reveal it to the prophets first. Then he goes on in chapter 2, the danger of the false teachers. Be careful. There is deception. If you don't think God will judge them, he goes on, he talks about Noah and the unrighteous world. He talks about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. He says in verse 8, this will comfort you if you're in the ark of Jesus, in verse 8, chapter 2, yes, Lot was a righteous man. He was tormented by the, in his soul by the wickedness that he heard day after day. Hey, Daniel, can you turn the air down? Whew, it's hot in here. Am I getting hot? Are you guys hot? It, it's, it's fires on me right now like, woohoo, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lot was a righteous man. So many of you have come and said, we even sang that when you see the evil day coming. Don't worry, God's in charge. Some of you sit there and you're like vexed in your soul. How can this be? How can they kill millions of babies? How can they celebrate the, the, the legislation in New York slapping themselves hand five that they can kill babies at nine months in the womb? How can they celebrate these things? And we're like, no, this is our nation. How can you celebrate transgender mutilation? How can you celebrate these things? And we're like, the righteous, they're vexed in their soul, just like Lot was in the homosexual city of Sodom and Gomorrah, where they want to rape the angels all night long. He was vexed in his heart. And God says this, you see, the Lord knows how to save he knows how to rescue godly people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of the final judgment. He knows how to save you. Revelation 3:10 he says, "He will keep you from that day that's coming on you because you have persevered." That's one of the pre-tribbers verses. Revelation 3:10 I've got to list it listed in the outline. Then he goes on, these these false teachers, the ones that are now declaring all this unrighteous stuff, it's okay to do whatever you want to do? No, it's not okay. They commit adultery with their own eyes, verse 14. Their sin is ever before. Like Balaam and the witch doctor and the witchcraft Don't you understand in verse 19, he says that you're a slave to whatever controls you? If you're controlled by drugs, alcohol, pornography, lies, overeating, those are slavery items. And the Lord said, I'm the one who sets you free. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're so free. Some of us have all gotten to that place. And and then he goes on and says, You better realize something. Verse 20, when people escape the wickedness of the world, by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and then they get tangled up again and enslaved in sin again they're gonna be worse off than they were before it's better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life now I've had many come and I can tell you my own my in the state at times I'm saved in the early days of like walking in general and like I had to get saved over and over again But if you're still in that place of recognizing I'm not finished work, help me God, please have mercy on me, then you are not in this verse yet where the dog returns to its vomit and washed pig returns to his mud. Now get this, this is Peter, the father, the spiritual father writing to his spiritual children of like faith, I don't want you to ever fall back. Watch out for those who are wicked, who will lure you away. And then he reads, he gives us a final chapter. And this is what's going to happen to the earth. And you know, you know, I was a nuclear submarine guy, and we carry enough nuclear weapons on one of our submarines that are multiple, multiple times more powerful than Hiroshima and Nagasaki that destroyed the two cities in World War II in 1945. In fact we have a submarine sitting right now when they attacked our embassy last week in Baghdad they sent rockets I believe it's Iranian because they got the Iranian rockets and they, our, our leader Mr. Trump he's just so subtle in his little messages to the Iranian leadership I want to give you a health encouragement if one American life is lost you will pay and then he sent a submarine, a nuclear carries 21 Tomahawk mus- Missiles Plus, sent it into the Persian Gulf and just parked it there and end up in your bedroom, Shah, Khomeini, <laughs> leaders. But here's what he said, right now there's enough mess in all of the armies of the world to turn this place into a tinderbox in a heartbeat. Look at what he says. Peter saw something in the spirit realm. I'm going to read chapter 3. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. In fact, he warns that the end is near. <laughs> if you look at, I'll just turn back in 1 Peter. Stay away from the ungodly things, the end is near. So let me read chapter 3, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that the last day scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of the water, surrounded it with water, uh, surrounded it. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people, when ungodly people, when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. I'm so glad he didn't come a hundred years ago. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you be living? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. One day he will set the heavens on fire. The elements will melt away in flames. But we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. He has proclaimed a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That's what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments, they're hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do other parts of Scripture. And this results in their destruction. My final words of you of like faith, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you'll not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and you lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. So, here we are. My wife, we had this discussion, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Was that a volcano? We, we don't know. Was it a meteor? Um, we know that the man-made weapons today can destroy the whole, you know, whole world. But God doesn't need that. He can, he can make this thing disappear. We know in Revelation, put the whole balance of Scripture together. Don't let that get you. It, it ought to be a motivation of reverential fear and honor that drives you into the ark of Jesus right? But don't, you know, no, don't let shame and guilt get get in that place of repentance, declare your life, and this year, this year, seeking righteousness, purity, holiness, presence. Because what's going to happen? We've had many prophetic words about the miracles that are coming to the house. The house is going to be full. We've had people come and tell us, people lined up outside. All it will take, just think about this, why don't, if we bring a wounded warrior in here, somebody who's crippled, and the Lord restores an arm or a leg on live stream, what do you think's gonna happen next week? Yeah. They already go to Bethel. They already traveled to Bethel. They've come here. I remember, I don't know if Marlene Basker's listening, but years ago, Marlene Basker was Catholic. I think she was a believer, I'm not sure. Paralyzed on one side. She came with her friend, cancer. Cancer, her friend had a stage four um, diagnosis. They drove into our parking lot, and our little group of intercessory people were here on Wednesday. And she came in and she introduced herself and said, We understand you pray for the sick. And they prayed for Marlene, and she was instantly healed of her paralysis. And her friend also got a word, and she went, and her friend could not receive that word, even though the symptoms of her cancer disappeared. She kept going to several doctors, one after another, looking for the diagnosis. No, they they said, I have it. Keep looking. Say, they have they, And she died of that cancer. And yet Marlene is not dead. (laughs) Bless you, Marlene. We got a Christmas card from her the other day. So, Lord, I just pray that if you would get a hold of this vision, because this is so much bigger than us as individuals, it's all the living stones What happens when God comes and there's a pure, blameless bride seeking, not perfect, seeking after Him? He just loves to do things in the midst of us to wow us. Like Peter, the eyewitness, I can't unsee the miracles of the blind eyes that I've seen, the tumors that have disappeared, the the demonized one screaming out from all the torment set free. I I can't unsee those things. I have experienced the power of the living God Many of you have. It's that place where it's like, "Oh my God, you're so real. You're so awesome. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again." We're like Jesus junkies on the power of God to come because we love Him and we want to see. My wife and I were watching this movie last night, Ephraim's Rescue. It's a historical account of a bunch of pioneers that were trying to get out to Utah, and they were the cart, the handcart people. They actually had come from religious persecution in Europe. And they came, they got hand carts, and they're going to walk across the plains to get to Utah. And they get caught in a snowstorm. And many, many of them die. But there's a young man whose mother cursed him. You're never going to be good. You're useless. You're never going to be a good man. But he would hear God. And he cultivated this act of hearing God. And he rescues. The Lord tells him where they are. He ends up with supplies. He ends up raising the dead, healing the sick. There was one young man. Had, his feet were so frostbitten black they needed to be amputated. He lays hands on him and puts oil on his head. This is all in accounts of journals and in writings. And they show the pictures of the original people that gave these testimonies back in the 1860s. They said they, they was there. And when that person laid hands on him and anointed him with oil, his feet were completely restored. He was raised off his bed and he said the camp is in such despair and his one gift was he could, he could, what do they call it? He could dance the jig. He goes, we need you to get up now and in the place by the fire, dance the jig and it brought hope to the people. I'm just telling you that, I saw that, I'm in tears, I'm like, God, I just, I just want to see the sick heal. I want to see the demonized set free. I want to see it at the hands of the little ones. I want my grandchildren, I want them to remember that when they prayed, these people were healed. I want my grandchildren's legacy to know that God is who he said he is. Amen. I want that for us. And so, let's stand in agreement. Lord, we just pray. Lord, we recognize all of us have these faults and issues and Struggles. That's why he says we're so, the sin that so easily befalls us, whether it's our mouth in judgments and gossip, criticism, whether it's in overeating, all of the immoral thoughts, behaviors, drunkenness, escapism to things that are unrighteous. God, we know that we're a lot of people that need your grace And we're so thankful that you declare us righteous. I don't understand the power of that, but I know it's true. You said over and over again in Book of Romans, chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6, multiple times, you have been declared the righteousness of Christ in faith in Christ himself. By his faith. It goes on in Galatians. So don't let shame and guilt and unworthiness, condemnation, that's not who you are in Christ. Lord, I ask this year, start with each of us. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything that we need for our loved ones, for provision, for outreach, for missions, for the family, for service, all of that will be available to us. That we would live for God. We would have a lifestyle for God. That we would make every effort to be peaceful living pure and blameless in his sight and that our hearts and our hands the things we put our hands to and the places we search in our hearts to walk in God I pray he tells us in Micah 6:8 he has shown you o man what he requires of you that you would do justly and walk righteously before your god Lord I pray that blessing Holy Spirit, I ask for an impartation. Now, if you're here this morning, I want to invite our ministry team, if you'll slip on a mass. Some people need to have close prayer right up face-to-face. Or if you're listening on live stream, last night after the movie, I was asking the Lord, is there anything you want us to particularly to pray for this morning? And in prayer this morning, I felt one that was for physical and emotional healing that Lord wanted to release, so if you're here today and you're struggling emotionally you've been depressed or sad despairing come for prayer if you're here and the lord showed me some body parts and i just want to those may be listening by live stream first i heard two names i couldn't i don't know if it was brian or brianna but they they you know, obviously they're very similar brian and brianna those that you may be listening now or you may tune in at another time or lord you connect them I felt like the Lord said, this is a year of renowned purpose in your life. God was going to release a powerful purpose in your life, Brian and Brianna. Search the Lord's heart, you will find it. He will uncover, he's going to like open up a new chapter that maybe you weren't even aware of. But then I saw a, there was something wrong in someone's throat, the tongue was the back of the throat area. And then I saw, I don't know what the thyroid looks like, but there was some kind of thyroid imbalance that was going on. I don't know if your chemistry's out of whack or you have an overactive, underactive, I don't know. But there's something that the Lord wants you to receive, prayer for your thyroid, to stabilize your chemistry. But I also saw something. I thought it was the right eye, but it was not. So, it was something in the eye. I don't. I, I, I asked the Lord about it. I didn't get it. But it was the Lord wants to heal the vision of a right eye. I don't know if it's a cataract or there's something with macular degeneration or something in the pressure of the eye. But you've had a diagnosis or you're aware. You may be seeing spots. You may be seeing these things that kind of disjointed. I think it's the right eye, but. I want prayer for both. If there's something going on in your eyesight, whether you're listening here, God, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, activate your faith. Lay your hands, if it's a body part, these these general things, if you can lay hands on your body without embarrassing yourself, lay your hands on it right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you'd release an anointing for power. That you are the God of power. It wasn't just by word, it was by power that you activate. It says in the scriptures in Romans 8:11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Lord, I ask you to quicken the thyroid, quicken the, the throat area. Lord, quicken the eyes, the areas of the body that are tormented, the emotional brokenness, The spiritual depression, despair. And if it's a spirit, right now I come against you in the name and the power of Christ Almighty. That spirit of depression, despair, discouragement, disappointment, low self-esteem. I break your authority and I crush the head of the snake. In the name of Jesus, release the people now. You have no authority over God's loved ones. You cannot convince them otherwise. God, I ask you to release the power through dreams and vision and unctions of revelation. God, I ask you to activate these people. Bring them to the Walmarts. Bring them to their stores. Bring them to the places of their neighborhood. Bring them to the mission field. With power and authority, Lord, lake us so sheep-hearing voices of God that we activate the word of truth to bring life. In the name of Jesus, for your glory and your purpose, we will not revel in the prideful arrogance, but it's for your glory. For your glory, God, bring them from the north, south, east, and west. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Come on for prayer. God bless you all. Have a great, don't forget, we'll be here Thursday night from 7 to 9 for worship. And then we're gonna go home and usher in the new year. God bless you all.